Hey, I'm Michael, and this is Michael in the Middle. It's an intergenerational relational podcast for people who are interested in better human interaction. I'm glad you're here. Wow. Uh, episode 18 is here. We've had a great um, start to this podcast, and I'm so grateful to everyone who has uh, been tuning in and uh, downloading and responding in the way that um, they have. It's, it's, it's been really gratifying, um, not for any uh, personal, I guess, achievements, but that there seems to be something about what we're trying to share here on Michael in the Middle that uh, has resonated. And um, so my, my whole deal is, uh, is about trying to find ways to get in the middle of doing something good for someone else. And um, sometimes um, that means, um, at least for me, that I, I end up having to uh, come to you um, as uh, a, a solo uh, performer, as it were, I guess. I, I, I have uh, got a lot of really good people that I'm looking forward to having here on uh, Michael in the middle and sometimes schedules just don't work out um, in order to, to get it done in time for uh, my great producer, Rob Walsh, uh, Farnish Media uh, to be able to, to have it in time to get it out because we are really um, focused on producing a weekly segment for you uh, to consider. And uh, this week um, it's just me again. And uh, I hope you're okay with that. Uh, I'm okay because I'm looking forward to sharing with you a little bit of uh, something that potentially I, I would hope would be of help to you as well. It certainly was for me as it unfolded over the course of uh, a few months, about 10 years ago. And uh, just a little bit, I'll be sharing some thoughts from a blog that I wrote in 2012. My wife, Sarah, and I have been married for over 41 years, and uh, this past weekend, uh, at the time of this taping, we were in Salisbury, Maryland with our oldest son, uh, Chad, and his wife, Amy, and their eight-year-old son, Reston. It was a great time uh, to be together with them, and on Saturday, December the 3rd, uh, we celebrated uh, our oldest son, Chad's 40th birthday, and uh, wow, it's just uh, hard to believe that much time has passed. Um, as the parents of adult sons, um, we have learned a lot. Um, there were so many things that we learned as we went as young parents. Um, Chad was born in December of 1982. Brian was born in uh, May of 1986. And then Austin, um, or as some of his friends uh, on the NBC network and in comedy clubs around the country know him. James Austin Johnson, um, we've always called him Austin in the family. Uh, he was born in July of 1989. And so looking back across the years, there were a lot of different things that were going on, um, you know, just in terms of the culture and, and the things that uh, were happening in our country um, and in the states where we lived, uh, the boys really have only attended schools in uh, Tennessee and Oklahoma as they were growing up. So 
naturally there are influences that occur um, outside the home in places like school and with ball teams and, and different opportunities for the boys to be involved across the years. But being mom and dad to these uh, three great guys um, remains uh, one of the greatest joys of our lives. I, I mean, for some people, this episode may, uh, may hit harder as a parent. Uh, for other people, I think what I'm going to share with you is applicable just in general terms uh, to things that we end up holding on to sometimes too tightly in our lives. And um, so just by way of introduction, um, the, the blog uh, from which I'll be sharing here in a couple of minutes was written in response to a time in our lives where our, uh, our sons in uh, 2011 and 2012 were dealing with some things in their own individual lives. And then it kind of impacted uh, their relationships with each other and with us. And it turns out that maybe I have a propensity to try to uh, direct the course of action in other people's lives. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I discovered, particularly in 2012, maybe that I was uh, overreaching at times in the lives of my sons. When a parent, um, stops and thinks about how much their child means to them. And this was particularly true in my case. Um, man, I just wanted what I thought was best for them. And uh, so there would be times where I, it would be like, in essence, you know, God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> we, I, I don't remember who first coined the phrase, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But we've joked about the fact that sometimes we can end up trying to take control, uh, maybe when we shouldn't. And uh, so a little bit of what I'm, I'm sharing here over these next few minutes kind of comes from, from some of that. Just, you know, when I talk to parents of children who are younger than ours are, um, I've often found myself saying, you know, our, our kids never have to wonder um, what we would what we would wish that they would do in a sense because they've been raised by us and, and uh, in some respects, you know, even hardwired by us uh, to a certain extent, at least conditioned to know what some of our preferences would be in a given situation. But as parents, we also know that there comes a time where the child has to break away and begin to make decisions for themselves. And so, uh, I'm, I'm going to share uh, from a blog that I wrote again back in in 2012, and uh, it starts out talking about growing up in Oklahoma with my younger brother, and uh, and then transitions a little bit uh, to talking about how we work with relationships in general. But just kind of wanted you to have that background about what motivated me to write a blog called "How Strong Do You Have to Be to Let Go." I remember my childhood pretty well, at least from the time I was about three, three and a half years old. Uh, I remember Western Oklahoma sunsets. I was born in Duncan when we were a year old. Um, when I was a year old, I should say, we moved to Elk City, Oklahoma, out off historic Route 66. So I remember those Western Oklahoma sunsets and oil derricks and cattle. I remember winds that blew. Um, and, and I remember living right next door to the church where my dad 
dad served as the pastor. I remember downtown department stores where if you signed your name on a piece of paper, you could take your purchases home that day and pay the store on uh, another day later on. Because if you said you'd do something, you'd be too ashamed not to keep your word. I remember the townhouse hotel and uh, its restaurant that would be the envy of the set designers on Mad Men or other retro uh, shows like that. I remember people who wanted to share the bounty of their farms. And I remember people who stubbornly tried to hold on to what they really didn't own in the first place. I remember that church in Oak City that we lived next door to. And I remember Mrs. Steps and her pretty teenage daughter, Annette. Uh, Mrs. Steps and Annette cleaned our church and showed up every Sunday as a part of the congregation anyway. Uh, although a hundred people would make that sanctuary seem crowded, it felt like a really big room to a four-year-old who thought he could preach like his daddy. Annette would lead the singing and I would preach <laughs> or act like I was preaching and Mrs. Steps would dutifully get saved every, every time. Uh, I remember finding out that I would, uh, uh, when I would soon be joined by another child in the house. And I remember my little brother, Jeffrey, came home with my parents in October of 1963. I was three and a half years old at that point. I was certain that my parents would always need my help in making sure Jeffrey was safe and sound as he grew up. Our family uh, took a trip about three years after Jeffrey was born to see my mom's parents who almost always lived a long way away from us out in Washington state. Most of Washington was everything that Oklahoma was not. There were mountains with snow on them year round and tall trees that were always green. And there was Seattle. I love Oklahoma. I love my Oklahoma roots. Lived in Oklahoma city. Almost. Uh, I have Nashville. Oklahoma city is becoming more and more cosmopolitan with high rises and Lots of neat new things, but Seattle back then in the mid 60s was like nothing I had ever seen. And the thing I remember most about Seattle was the Space Needle. And the thing I remember most about the Space Needle was that it went a long way up in the air, further up than anyone should go without the aid of an airplane, in my opinion. And I remember standing on the observation deck over against the wall with my dad absolutely scared to death. But I also remember my maternal grandfather, a tall Texan named John Thomas Crawford, holding my little helpless innocent brother over by the railing that overlooked beautiful Seattle. Jeffrey was hanging onto the rail and granddad Crawford was hanging on to Jeffrey. And to this day, when I tell this story, my palms get sweaty and uh, it, it's hard even to type maybe. <laughs> Jeffrey says he doesn't really remember that event, and I just can't seem to let it go. Maybe all these years later, that event is one of the reasons why it's still hard for me to let some things go, because we don't naturally let go of things that matter to us. One of life's greatest challenges is knowing when to hang on and when to let go. It challenges us in business, it challenges us in churches, it challenges us in relationships. Be interested you know, if we had a chance to dialogue in person, I would, I would want to know, have you ever heard this cliche? If you love someone or something, let it go. If it comes back to you, then it proves that it was right for you to have that person or thing in your life. If it doesn't come back, then it was never really yours in the first place. 
That may sound good to some, but to me, it sounds just like a thousand other cliches I can't stand because life is not a cliche or one easy answer after another. Sometimes you're so scared you just stand back against the wall and hold your breath. Sometimes you muster the courage to scream, don't do that. And sometimes you just have to let other people make their own choice. And whatever you decide might have little to do with what the other person decides to do. That's something that I'm having to come to terms with. Life at its best is a true gift from God. So it's also true that it's a gift from God even when life is not so great. Because if you have life, you've been blessed. If you share life with people you love and who love you, well, you're blessed more than most. I admit that there are still times when I think about our three adult sons, like I thought about my little brother when my parents brought him home. Remember when I was talking about that helpless little innocent boy? My little brother is now Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, superintendent of the churches of the Nazarene in South Texas. He and Julie have two beautiful and gifted daughters and very talented, handsome men. Jeffrey and Julie thrive on being PJ and Juju to granddaughters, Ava and Indy and their grandson, um, Wyatt. They, things have really gone pretty well for them as a family. And I guess Jeffrey at times would say that he has some fears that maybe we never really talked about. But to be honest, I wish I was more like he was as a three-year-old looking out at the great expanse of Seattle, so wide-eyed and unafraid. He was so free because he didn't know what could happen to him if he fell. I was so bound because I knew what would happen if he did. Life is full of opportunities that could make us afraid. And common sense is a much better friend than stupidity, that's for sure. But today, I'm wishing and praying for the ability to at least walk over to the rail and see for myself how beautiful that Seattle landscape is. I know the fear probably won't go away, but now I'm afraid more of missing out on what's out there for me and for my sons and everyone else that's dear to me if I just stay plastered to the wall. So whether it's your family or your church or your colleague at work, maybe you need to ask if there's something new in terms of possibilities you've not yet seen in them. Clearly, I love my wife and sons and their families more than ever. Uh, the will to protect them has never been stronger. But I'm also learning that the distance between a hug and a chokehold is very small. I don't want to hold so tightly to what I want, to what I think, that I squeeze the life out of that which is most precious to me. I'm trying to let go. Yes, and let God, cliche as it sounds, because I have to trust God and know the difference between what will kill me and what will give me a more abundant life. And I have to trust that God's ability to handle the unknown in between is greater than mine. One of my all-time favorite movies is What About Bob? Bill Murray played the afraid, insecure, I can't do this. That, that, he played that role to perfection. He had to take some baby steps before he could get in that elevator. And um, sometimes I think I'm still taking those baby steps uh, down the hall. 
So I'm praying today that I'll be strong enough to let go of that which has me bound and wise enough to hold on to that which will ensure my ultimate freedom. And that's the blog. But here's a postscript. Whatever the nature of your relationships are with loved ones or with people that you've been close to, particularly if it's a parent-child relationship, um, just know that the best thing you can do is let them know you believe in them and you trust them and that you're going to be there for them no matter what. Again, kind of sounds almost like a cliche, but the most important things our kids can glean from us is not only our wisdom, but our unconditional love and support for them as they work things out for themselves. Everybody has to make their own decisions and ultimately everyone is responsible for their own decisions. And the decision that I made many years ago about learning how to let go just a little bit has resulted in probably um, the best times I've ever had in my relationship with my sons as they are not only my sons and the fathers of my grandchildren, but they are some of the very dearest friends that I have as well. And I'm glad I learned that lesson. And I'm glad I'm still learning that lesson. And I'm glad I learned how to be strong enough to let go. I've even had to do that with this podcast. I would love it if there were thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that were tuning in. But I'm, I've let go of what expectations I may have of what this is going to do in favor of allowing it to be what it needs to be in terms of the lives of the people that are participating in it even now. The message of goodness and kindness is not to be underrated. I hope that uh, you're continuing to pursue those uh, lofty aims in the way that you live your life in connection with others. And I hope to see you again real soon here on Michael in the Middle. Be blessed today.